Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm glad you joined us for This Week in the Word, this episode today for Sunday, April 3rd, 2022. We're glad you're with us. We're still in a series in 1st and 2nd Timothy entitled Truth for Tough Times. So let's get going. Let's go right to the Word and we're going to hop right in here. We're going to look today at 1st Timothy chapter 3 verses 14 to 16 and then we will move right into 1st Timothy 4 verses 1 through 6 because I think these go together. And I'll explain why I say that. So as we look at truth for tough times, we're talking today about defining the faith. Defining the faith. And let's go straight to the word. These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. So here's a little title that I would put over 1 Timothy 3, 14 to 16. What the faith is. I want you to know today that there is a historic Christian faith. It is identifiable. We don't have to guess or wonder what it was. It's recorded for us right here in the New Testament. We're actually going to break this down just a little bit, and you'll see it. And we know from historic writings what the Christian faith is. What the faith is is not in question. But we live in a day where many churches and many Christians cannot define what the faith is. I'm going to explain why they can't do that. But that's so needless and so unnecessary because we know for sure what the faith is. So let's go through these verses and begin to understand this a little better. Paul had left Timothy at the church in Ephesus, which is a dynamic, powerful, Bible-teaching, evangelistic church. It was so much so that it reached its entire region with the gospel of Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that every person in the region became a Christian. We know that for sure. But what it does mean is everyone heard about the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. They had an opportunity. This church did a great job. Well, Paul ministered there for some time. He left to continue his work, and Timothy was left in charge. But apparently, we see here, that Paul is planning to return if possible. These things I write, excuse me, these things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. 
So I kind of think of as Paul as being kind of what we would call today an alpha male. He was large and in charge. I mean, when Paul was on the scene, you knew about it. Timothy, possibly on the other hand, was what we might call more today a beta male. He was happy to have the Apostle Paul be there and be in charge, and he would do everything he could to help him, but he possibly was a little bit out of his element being the leader, you know, in that role of the alpha male, which possibly was not natural for Timothy. These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. Verse 15, but if I tarry long, he didn't know how soon he might make it back to Ephesus, but if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. Now he's talking there about the church, and it doesn't mean like how he's supposed to act in a church building. That's not the idea. It's how he's supposed to lead the church that Paul had left him the pastor of. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. Now remember, the church is is God's church. It's not any preacher's church. It's not yours. It's not mine. The real church belongs to God. I'm talking about the the people of the church, the body of Christ, not the brick and mortar building, okay? So one of the reasons that he sent 1 Timothy back to Timothy is to go over some things that he needed to be careful about, he needed to emphasize, he needed to be aware of, and make sure that he was equipped to handle the tasks that he had been assigned. But he might not get there uh, very soon. So that's why Paul wanted him to know these things. But notice what it says. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church, that is the called out ones, which is the church. Whose is it? Which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of, watch this, the truth, definite article, the before the noun truth. So the church, think of it this way, and this may not be a totally adequate explanation, but it is the repository of the set body of Christian truth. Sports teams have not been given this. Schools haven't been given it. The entertainment industry, science, anything you can name has not been given the responsibility for guarding the truth. Only one organism has been given that, and that is the church of the living God. It is the pillar and ground of the truth. We think of a pillar as a long, um, strong column, like for a bridge, so it's, it's strong, and we also think of the ground of the truth being the foundation that a building is, is firmly grounded on and settled on so that it doesn't shift or sink. That's the church, and it's the church of the living God. So let me make a little point here. If you have been disrespecting the church of the living God, you need to rethink that. 
That doesn't mean every church is perfect. And there are many churches which have just gone way off the deep end. We'll talk about that in a minute. But if you are part of a real group of believers that meets together as a church, you need to have more respect for the church that you are part of because it is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. It doesn't just say of truth. It's of the truth, a specific truth that the Holy Spirit led Paul to emphasize here. What is that? It is what we call uh, Christian theology, Christian truth, the gospel, okay? Now, verse 16, he defines this to some degree. So we see what the faith is. You know, you can't defend what you can't define. So let's define it. Verse 16, and without controversy, he says there's no argument about this. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Now, again, this is the the. Uh, previously concealed but now divinely revealed mystery, the, the, the revelation of godliness. And what is that? Here it is. God was manifest in the flesh. You understand what that means? Jesus Christ was not a man that, that God came upon. Jesus Christ is God. God was manifest in the flesh. There were many heresies, even in the day this was written, that said that would Jesus only appeared to have a body. Nope, you're wrong. He actually had a real body. God was manifest in the flesh. God became a human being, the perfect God-man that he might save us who would trust in him. God was manifest in the flesh. This is indisputable. So, well, I don't believe that. Well, then you're probably not a Christian, period. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit. So the Holy Spirit bore witness to the person and ministry of the perfect God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is eternally pre-existent, and he will never die. He died and rose again, never to die again. So he's justified in the Spirit, seen of angels. You should understand that there's an entire realm of, of spirit beings that we can't see unless they reveal themselves to us. He was seen of angels. This is God's angels, the good angels, the two-thirds that did not rebel with Lucifer. But the demons saw him too, and they knew exactly who he was and that he was real, and you can read all about it in the Gospels. They knew who he was, and of course the, the good angels do as well preached unto the Gentiles. So not only was he preached to the Jewish people who should have been looking for him, he was even preached unto the non-Jews who weren't looking for him. 
and that fulfilled prophecy, by the way, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world. So many Jews and many non-Jews believed willingly on the Lord Jesus Christ as the perfect God-man, the the Messiah, the Savior of the world, received up into glory. You know, this is kind of like the the seal of approval on all of this, because if Jesus Christ was not who he said he was, and if he didn't die a sacrificial, sinless death, but he bore our sin, if he didn't do that, and he didn't actually rise from the grave, which, by the way, when he did, it proves that God the Father accepted his sacrifice as being all that was needed for those who believe on him to be forgiven because he raised him from the dead. Well, this last one, received up into glory, that's like the, the, the bow on the present, so to speak. Because if none of what I just said had been true, he certainly would not have been, he certainly would have not ascended from that mount into heaven. And then the angel said, he'll be coming again, just like you've seen him go. There you go. I mean, we're talking here about total documentation, absolute validation in all realms of space-time history and heaven and total documentation and absolute validation in the physical world and spiritual world. And there ain't nothing else. That's everything. We know what the faith is. And to the great degree, the churches of the ages have known what it is and followed that historic, biblical, identifiable Christian faith. And as I said, we can't defend what we can't define. So here it is. We've just seen it. What the faith is, like the faith, not what faith is. Like, well, I don't have enough faith. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the faith. The you can. This will help you if you think of it as the Christian faith. We know what the faith is. Is we're not guessing. All right, so like Paul said, under the inspiration of the Spirit, verse 16, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. There is no arguing what we've just been over. Now, if that's not what you believe and you call yourself a Christian, you need to be saved. You need to be born again, and all of this will open up to you. You can't even see it now because to you it's, it's a concealed mystery because you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. But for all of you who are listening, who know the Lord Jesus Christ, you've been born again, you are saved. You are saying amen, amen, and amen to everything I've said so far because you know what the faith is. But just like we know what the faith is, we know what the faith isn't. And let's look at 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 6. This is why I think these two passages 
Remember when Paul wrote the letter, it didn't have chapters, divisions, and verse numbers. It was a letter. These were later added, so it would be easier to find our places and read it. And I'm glad someone did that. I believe God led them to do that. But here in 1 Timothy 4, the next chapter, Paul would have just kept on writing, right? What the faith isn't. Verse 1 of 1 Timothy 4. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. He's talking here about people in churches and people who profess to know the Lord Jesus Christ. That now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. What is, what is he talking about here? Well, he's talking about apostasy. That is to stand away from what you previously guarded and defended and believed. Paul predicts here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this is God saying this through Paul, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. And notice again, it's from the faith, the historic biblical Christian faith that we just looked at in 1 Timothy 3, 14 to 16. I know that's shocking, but we see it all around us today. And I'm going to give you examples in a moment. There will even be those who are, can be said, are giving heed to seducing spirits. These are deceiving spirits spirit beings, as in demonic beings, who lead people astray, and doctrines of devils. These are teachings of demons. So, my, my, what, what are you talking about? Who would ever do this? It's going on everywhere, people. You just maybe wouldn't put those titles over it, but I'm fixing to give you some examples. These are just some that I thought of. I'm sure I could research and give you maybe a hundred examples, or probably more, of apostasy and following deceiving spirits and listening to the teachings of demons. Now, by the way, if you're saying well, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe in demons and all of that. You're, again, I don't know what you believe or where you got it, but if you believe in the Bible, especially the Gospels, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, truly you will know that demons exist. He dealt with them. They spoke to him. He cast them out. And you can read all about it if you will open your Bible and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Your mind is going to be blown. You're going to realize you've never been told the truth. But this is going to get really intense. Let me give you some examples here. There's a series of books called Seth Speaks. Seth is a... Um, 
says that he's a disembodied spirit. You know, he's bringing wisdom and light and all of that kind of stuff to people so they can understand and, you know, ascend to, I don't know, reincarnationville and all that kind of stuff. New age type stuff. All right. I don't even want to give it any time here. But Seth Speaks was written. I mean, well, actually wasn't written. <laughs> Let me explain how this came about. Seth Speaks was recorded by the husband of Jane Roberts. She would go into a trance state and later not remember any of this, and she had to be told what Seth spoke. But Seth Speaks was where the husband wrote these messages down from this demon. And it's all, it sounds religious, it sounds spiritual, but it's Man is anti-truth, anti-Bible. And if you follow that teaching, you're going to go to hell. Period. Jane Roberts went into these trances and recorded this from about 1963. Her husband recorded it. 1963 to about 1984. And I think she passed away pretty quickly after that. That's an example, a literal example. Do you believe that, Pastor Ed? I don't believe in it, but I believe that's what happened. Yes. Here's another one. You may follow it. There's a very popular teaching. I, I don't know. It may be a movie and book and all that kind of stuff today called The Secret. Something about the universe, you know, wants to make you wealthy and help you. And the universe owes you, basically, if you follow the right principles. That's demonic. That is not Christian truth. I don't care if it uses Bible verses, refers to God and Jesus and love, peace, and harmony and all that. The secret is demonic. It is not the historic biblical Christian faith. Yet, there are lots of Christians who think it's jam up and jelly tight. All right? It's not. A Course in Miracles is another one. Total demonism in that. It is not the biblical, historic Christian faith. You'll hear people talk sometimes about, and it's usually religious leaders that talk like this. What a bunch of saps. They'll talk about the Christ spirit. And what they're talking about is they're not talking about Jesus Christ the perfect God-man who died for our sins and literally rose again on the third day. That's not who they're talking about. They're talking about some spirit being and this spirit being came on Jesus of Nazareth and you know he's come on many people in the past and will in the future and all this kind of stuff. And it's just demonic. It's not true. I hope you're not believing any of this that I'm talking about, uh, not that you're not believing me, but you're not doing or believing in any of these things. If you are, you are greatly deceived. And you need, if you're really a Christian, I don't understand how you can be doing this, but let's just say you were, you need to repent like yesterday and you need to get your life straightened out with the Lord Jesus Christ because it's not, the biblical historic Christian faith. When you hear people talk about the ascended masters, these are demons, folks. 
masquerading as uh, the Buddha and the Christ and, you know, just different, you know, quote, great teachers of the past who've made it out of here and reached this great level and they're trying to help us today. Um, I didn't have this one written down, but I'm going to throw it in. UFOlogy, UFOlogy, however you want to say it. I mean, this is starting to creep into churches. This is demonism. This is not the biblical, historic Christian faith. Liberation theology, which is uh, very popular in South America, is not the historic Christian faith, but it was all over the churches like white on rice down here. And it's spread everywhere now. The prosperity gospel, like, you know, I believe that we should manage our money. And I believe when we honor God with our money, God helps us. But when you turn this into some type of uh, coin-operated faith machine or something where you drop in 25 cents and you get $1,000 back, you know, and all of this, that's, this is not, this is not the historic Christian faith. Feminist theology is definitely not the historic Christian faith. In fact, feminist theology has done more than almost any other thing to destroy the historic Christian faith. Dominion theology, the idea that, uh, the little bit that I know about it, that, that uh, the church is going to get better and better and stronger and stronger, and we're going to overtake the world, and it would be so great the Lord Jesus Christ comes back, you know, to rule over this kingdom, basically that churches have created. This is not going to happen. And it's blatantly obvious if you have eyes in your head and a brain inside your cranium. Dominion theology is not the historic biblical Christian faith. When you hear of churches having uh, yoga sessions, you know, but it's only exercise, Trust me on this. It is, it is not. It is a spiritual, religious experience intertwined with exercise. Yoga is a false religion. And yet you can drive all over town and see churches just so proud that they have yoga at their churches. If I was a pastor and somebody tried to do that, either it's going or that person's going, or I'm going, because that is not the historic Christian faith, and it's not just exercise. Boom! Wokeism is destroying churches. Wokeism doesn't have anything at all to do with the biblical, historic Christian faith. Churches are buying in completely to the great reset of the World Economic Forum. And I don't have time to go into all of that. If you don't know what I'm talking about, shame on you. You should already know something about that. But um, the world's not heading for the great reset. I mean, there's going to be one, but it's actually in the Bible, it's called the Great Tribulation. All right, so it's a trap. It's the trap that Jesus warned that the whole world would be trapped by. And that's where that's going. And I'm looking forward to the great return of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the historic Christian faith right there. LBGTQ plus 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 and whatever it is now, 
is not the historic biblical Christian faith. Critical theory is not the historic biblical Christian faith. And critical race theory, which has been like the race part, was like this attached to critical theory, which has existed for decades and decades or more. None of that is the biblical historic Christian faith. It's not. And we could give a hundred more examples. And I probably upset many of you. But if you believe in the things, the kind of things and other things like them that I just went over and you think, no, that's just got to be right. You, you are a victim of apostasy, of falling away from the historic biblical Christian faith. You are being victimized by deceiving spirits and teachings of demons. So today, today, you need to choose Are you going to truly follow the risen and returning Lord Jesus Christ? Or are you going to continue going down the path of deception, which leads to eternal destruction? That's your choice. But Pastor Ed, I don't understand. If sound doctrine, that is healthy teaching, the biblical historic Christian faith, If it's the right thing, why is it attacked? Why was it being attacked even during the time Paul wrote? Come on, this is too easy. It's being attacked because it's the truth. We live on a spiritual battlefield where Satan seeks to destroy everything that would expose him and everything that would lead to his eventual and certain defeat. That's why sound doctrine is attacked. And I hope you are not being sucked into it, into the deception. All right, let's go further. I've already upset you, but let's finish out. Now, the Spirit speaketh expressly, then in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Verse 2, speaking lies in hypocrisy, whoever's teaching this kind of stuff is telling you lies and they're total hypocrites, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. You know how when you you burn yourself, you kind of cauterize your skin and maybe the feeling goes away until it returns? Having their conscience seared, so it didn't trouble them at all. Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Now here's some of the things that they do. Verse three, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them, which believe and know the truth. There's that the truth again, right there. Forbidding to marry. People, you know, men and women need to be married. There are some people who don't need to be and that who are Christians, and that's a gift from God. But Christians will find 99.99% that being married is a good thing. And yet here are people speaking lies and hypocrisy, uh, having their conscience seared with an iron, hot iron, saying, uh, you can't marry, you shouldn't marry. And then, not only that, com- and commanding to abstain from meats, from, from food. 
You know, you can't eat this, can't eat that. I, I can think of one entire alleged Christian denomination that majors on this. And they may be healthy, but they're enslaved. Can't, can't eat this, can't eat that. Let me reread this. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. Did you know around the world in many places that the the ability to eat something that might not that we might not want to eat is what keeps some people alive? Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Listen. God wants you to be married. It is not, you are not more spiritual if you refuse to marry. Married, being married is the normal state for most people, right? But if you've got religion saying, well, you can't marry, that's a problem. And commanding to abstain from meats, as I said, in, in some parts of the world, if you can't eat what you can catch, you know, that kind of thing. You might not eat anything at all. And anyway, I mean, that's, that's two examples. And these are two of the most common basic things that are needs of mankind. And it says, which God has created to be received with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, for something to eat. With thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. There it is again, the historic biblical Christian faith. Now, why did he just say verse three? Well, here's a reason in verse four. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified, as I did, it's made clean, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Remember when uh, God told Peter to rise and eat, and he and what he had seen in the vision was uh, unkosher food. You remember that? This was hard for Peter, but he obeyed it, and he ate things he'd probably never eaten before in his life and thought, you know, this ham sandwich with cheese is pretty good. <laughs> for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Man, come on. But these are examples of the error that <clears throat> false teachers can lead people into. Verse six, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister, that is a good servant of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine whereunto thou hast attained. And I believe I looked it up. I believe I'm correct to saying in verse six here, it says where it's nourished up in the words of faith is, guess what? The faith and of good doctrine, that is good teaching, whereunto thou hast attained. Okay, let's plug this in and we're done. The faith, it's been used all through this where you have the definite article, the word the before the noun, faith, the faith. There, it is without any doubt, there is a definable, historic, biblical Christian faith. It is the set body of historic, biblical Christian teaching. Are you following that? Are you able to define that so you can defend that? If not, 
Get with the Bible program. Amen. Now listen, I'm going to give you a phone number because some of you are upside down, inside out, and backwards right now. You just are going like, I don't know if I'm a Christian or I know I'm not. or I'm not even sure I want to be, but I would like to know more. Here's the phone number. Write it down. 877-247-2426. 877-247-2426. I want you to know if you call that number, someone will help you in the way you need to be helped spiritually so you can be certain how your eternity is going to turn out. I mean, you can't wait till the end and find out you were wrong, right? you can know for sure how your eternity is going to turn out. As I've often said, instead of following Satan like you're already doing, see, we're born into that just as a person. Instead of following Satan and being condemned to an eternal hell, you can begin today to follow Jesus Christ and be welcome into heaven and eternity with him. Some of you may feel more comfortable going to chat about Jesus Dot com chataboutjesus.com hey romans 3:23 says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of god romans 6:23 says for the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ our lord in romans 10 verse 13 we read for whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord shall be saved I want that to be you today if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Call that number or go to chataboutjesus.com. Thanks for listening today. Please like the episode and follow the podcast and be notified every time a new episode is posted. Share this with somebody today who needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Bye-bye.